A Song for a Whale, Chapter 23. Grandma said not to worry about my money in the bank. Save it for something else. This is going to be my treat. Instead of flying into the closest airport and trying to drive three hours, possibly through snow and ice, Grandma's plan was to get on a cruise ship that would take us right to Appleton. We found just one ship with an available cabin and an Appleton stop, and we'd have to leave earlier than planned. How will we get to do it? I asked. Like, when it's time to leave, what will I tell Mom? Grandma sat back to think, then picked up the activities calendar from her coffee table. We can't tell her what we're doing exactly? Right, there's no way she'd let us go. Not while I still have school anyway. Or ever. Grandma pointed to her calendar on the date we needed to leave. Look, there's a day trip to Surfside Beach. I'll tell your mom I'd like you to join me. It'd be good for us. Think she'll say yes? I couldn't believe we were actually planning this. It didn't seem real yet. More like a game. A really fun game. Grandma shrugged. I'll talk her into it. We'll be with a group of people, and she knows how much I love the ocean. We'll tell her the truth, of course, about going to the beach anyway, because really, we are. We won't mention the part yet that we were going a little bit further away. A little? She looked back at the computer screen and clicked, book my cruise. Just 4,000 miles, no big deal. I smiled as I signed, serious trouble. We are both going to be in serious trouble. Worth it, Grandma signed back. I couldn't leave without saying goodbye to Wendell. When I messaged to ask if he could come over, he wrote back, not unless you have a better telescope than I do, come check out Jupiter. Ms. Jackson led me in the front door, and I pointed upstairs. Great view up there. From the upstairs game room, I stepped out onto the balcony and sat down next to Wendell. He didn't take his eye from the telescope until I touched his shoulder. I reached down and clicked on Wendell's flashlight. He painted the lens red so the light wouldn't wash out the night sky and make the stars harder to see. After the visit to the junior high, I'd wondered every day what Wendell was doing at his own school. Maybe he was learning the same thing I was, but from a deaf teacher, or he was signing with a bunch of friends at lunch or joking with another student he passed in the hallway. If I were there with him every day, I could be part of that. I shook the wish out of my head and tried to refocus. Changing schools would be impossible now. Mom wouldn't let me out of her sight again after she found out I took off to Alaska with Grandma. I couldn't believe Mom had said yes to the trip. I'd watch from upstairs when Grandma came over to talk to Mom about it. She kept a straight face the whole time and didn't give anything away. She really was a good actor. Before she left, she got Mom to sign a permission slip even. I held my breath as I backed into my room so Mom wouldn't hear me exhale. I felt like a loud sigh of relief I was holding in. I looked up at the sky and asked Wendell, uh, which one's Jupiter? Uh, see that one that looks like a really bright star? Yeah, but see how it doesn't twinkle like the other stars? I hadn't noticed that before. What looked like a bright star was a solid light, not flickering like the others. If you see one like that, he continued, it's a planet. They're a lot closer than stars. It's all the atmosphere the star's light has to travel through that makes them look twinkly. I looked through the telescope at the planet. That's awesome. He pointed out the moon surrounding Jupiter. There's Io, Europa, Ganymede, and Callisto. It has a bunch more, but those are the ones we can see. While he took another turn, looking through the telescope, I sat back and thought about what to tell him. I touched his shoulder again, so he had to look at me. I have some news. About that whale, Blue 55, 
I'm going to go meet him, after all, and, well, at least I'll try anyway. Wow, really? That's great news. Your parents changed their mind about going? Well, no. They don't know about this. You're going by yourself? With Grandma. She figured out a way we could get there. If Blue 55 shows up at the sanctuary, I'll be there to see him. Wendell looked away and shook his head like he couldn't believe what I was telling him. I hardly believed it myself. It didn't seem real yet. Uh, and then what? he asked. What do you mean? I mean, after you find the whale. What will you do then? I'm not sure. But I think the song will let him know he's not alone, and I want to be there for that. Wendell didn't say anything for a while. He just stared at the sky. Maybe I'd make a huge mistake, and he was going to tell his parents, and they would tell my parents. Mom would put a stop to the trip before it started. He looked through the telescope again, then asked, Did you know there used to be another giant planet? Another one? Yeah, in addition to Jupiter, Saturn, Universe, and Neptune, there was a fifth giant planet out there. What happened? Jupiter knocked it out of orbit. One day it got too close, and Jupiter sent it hurtling out of the solar system. I looked up to the sky. Really rude, Jupiter. Then I asked Wendell, so where is it now? No one knows. Maybe another star pulled it into a new orbit, and it's in that solar system now. Maybe it even has its own moon circling it, or it's still out there on its own, flying past everything on the same path Jupiter knocked it onto. He shrugged and looked away. I know this is dumb, but sometimes I wonder about that planet. If I had a way of finding it, I'd go. He hugged me then. I couldn't remember the last time we'd hugged, if ever. Maybe when we were little kids, I wanted to tell him. That wasn't a dumb idea at all. But to do that, I'd have to let go of him. Wendell stepped back so I could see him again. Good luck. Let me know when you find your whale. Chapter 24 Each morning that week, I tossed a few things into my backpack for the trip. Then after school, I'd stop by Grandma's to move them from her closet. Her set of suitcases fit on one side or the other like nesting dolls. We sat on the floor near her closet and added items to the small suitcases each day. The medium-sized suitcase had been packed with Grandma's things since the day after she bought this, the tickets. I'd been reading what to pack for your Alaska vacation articles so I'd know what to bring. People forget things when they travel to Alaska. They don't pack enough for the cold weather thinking, how bad can it really be in the summer? But it's a lot colder there, especially at night. Traveling on a boat is even worse with all the wind. A good coat wasn't enough. You had to have gloves and a scarf and a hat and thick socks. Of course, I didn't have all those things. Living in Houston, in the corner of a dresser drawer, was a pair of gloves I'd hardly worn. Even in winter, I got by with my hands in my pockets. My sock supply was made up of those thin white ones that came six pairs to a package from Target. I packed extra pairs so I could double up. My gray sweaters had a hood that would work for a hat. Plus, my hair was thick enough to protect me from the cold even if I went sledding across the Arctic tundra. Before I left home that Saturday morning, I threw the last few things into my backpack. I gave an extra long hug to each of my parents before leaving to meet Grandma. Dad asked if I was okay. Uh, doing great, I answered, which was true. This was the most important thing I'd ever done. I was nervous, but mostly excited. Have fun at the beach, Mom told me. Call if you need anything. All I could do was nod for an answer before walking out the front door. Maybe they would worry. Would maybe they would worry till I got back, but leaving would be a relief in, in a way. No more explaining things for Dad. No more of him having to explain things to me. It'd have a kind of vacation too. Tristan was in the driveway with Aiden. 
looking under the hood. Sorry. Tristan was in the driveway with Adam, looking under the hood of Adam's truck. That was not unusual. The truck was always breaking down. Once, I leaned against it when Tristan started it up. It's shaken like it was running on a lawnmower engine. What's wrong with it? I asked. I know it's a long list, but what are you working on now? It won't start, Tristan answered. Maybe it needs a new battery. Smells weird, I told him, like a barbecue drip grill. Not in a good way. Yeah, Adam dropped a cheeseburger last time he worked on the car. It really stuck in there. So what do you think? I think he shouldn't eat the rest of that cheeseburger. If you get it out of there, he grabbed a set of jumper cables from the bed of the truck. As soon as I lifted the plastic covers over the battery terminals for him, I saw the problem. I pointed at the caked-on corrosion. Clean those off, and maybe it'll work. Adam chuckled and rolled his eyes when Tristan told him what I'd say, what I'd say, what I'd said. I didn't miss the look of warning that Tristan gave him. That's not a big deal, Adam said. There's something else wrong. On any other day, I'd have grabbed the alternator wire and carried it up in my backpack till Adam admitted I was right. But I'd be far away from there in a few hours, and Mom and Dad didn't need his dumb truck sitting in our driveway all week. Those battery wires don't even know they're connected to anything. Clean it with some baking soda or pour a Coke on it. After Tristan interpreted that, I asked him what to go. Want to go get breakfast now? I have some time before I meet Grandma. He shook his head. I'll st stay here and help fix this. We'll go tomorrow, okay? I'm telling you, pour a Coke on it and it'll start right up. Okay, we'll try that. Talk to you later. I almost told him right then that I, would be I wouldn't be around tomorrow or the next day or a few days after that, but I just got on my bike and rode away. There were plenty of Mexican restaurants around and I've been to all of them. The best breakfast tacos were at Carlos's Gas Em Up. One side was a convenience store and the other was set up as a cafe. The owner, Carlos, and his whole family worked there. I ordered a potato egg and cheese taco plus a small coffee, something more grown up than my usual chocolate milk. After one bitter sip, I tossed it in the trash can, then used a napkin to scrape the taste off my tongue. How could anyone drink that stuff? I went back to the counter for chocolate milk. As I sat there and ate, I looked around at the people who were reading the news or chatting with one another before work. I was dying to tell someone what I was about to do. I'd never held on to a secret this big, and it was bursting to get out. I went ahead and signed it right there to the whole room. No one would understand anyway. So it was a way of letting the secret out while still keeping it. After finishing the last bite of my taco, I crumpled up the foil wrapper and signed, I should get going. Don't want to miss my flight. On my way to meet a whale. As I left the parking lot, I saw Tristan and Adam driving up the road in Adam's truck. Obviously, they'd fixed it and decided they had time for breakfast tacos after all. I almost went back. Maybe if they saw me, Tristan would have signed something like, You were right. That was the only reason I thought about turning around. Not so I could say goodbye to him or anything. Song for a Whale by Lynn Kelly, Chapter 25 Even though it was still early, I pedaled as fast as I could to Grandma's. It'd be good to have a little extra time in case there were any glitches in our plan. Sometimes projects took longer than I expected, like the Philco radio. My stomach tightened with sadness. I missed resting my hand on it at night 
and feeling like the vibrate and feeling the vibrations from the radio programs. And then there was the fact I couldn't even touch the money I got from selling it. I shook my head. Nothing I could do about the radio. Maybe I'd buy it back from Mr. Gunner, unless someone else got to it first. Grandma flung open the door as soon as I pressed the doorbell. She had to have been standing there waiting, or she'd leapt to the door as soon as the doorbell light flashed. She wore a flowery green dress and a long necklace with flower charms alternating in green and gold all around the chain. Her hair was brushed into the long, silvery waterfall. After opening up the suitcase on the floor of Grandma's closet, we checked our list to make sure we weren't missing anything. The last thing we did before leaving the apartment was staple a blue tag from the cruise line around each suitcase handle. Seeing our names printed next to the cabin number on those tags made all our plans more real. We were doing this. Later that day, we'd be rolling those bags onto the cruise ship. When the elevator opened at the first floor of the building, we turned right toward the side exit instead of left toward the front desk. The staff would have questions if they saw us heading to the front door with suitcases. We loaded the luggage into the car without anyone stopping to talk to us. Ready to go? Grandma signed after getting into the driver's seat. Let's go find that whale, I answered. Then I grabbed the armrest as the car peeled out of the parking lot and raced toward the freeway. Slow down, I signed with one hand so I could hang on to the other with the other. Grandma didn't slow down, just changed lanes to fly past the other cars. Maybe this was a bad idea. She hadn't driven much lately, and not on the freeway. If we got stopped by the police or wrecked the car, we wouldn't even make it to the airport. Grandma laughed. I'm ready to start our adventure. Watch the road. I didn't sign anything else after that, so I wouldn't give her a reason to take a hand off the wheel or her eyes off the freeway. We made it to the airport alive. I realized my grip on the armrest and slumped back to catch my breath when Grandma eased into a parking space. After getting through the long security lines, we still had plenty of time to reach our gate. I wanted to take Grandma's hand and run onto the plane already, but we still had an hour. We stopped at a coffee shop where Grandma ordered a coffee and I got a lemonade iced tea. A little more grown up than regular lemonade, but without the coffee taste. We shared a mammoth-sized blueberry muffin. It was so delicious. I wondered if airport food was really that good or if everything tasted better because of the trip we were about to take. As we chatted, I noticed Grandma's signing was faster, more excited than it had been lately. It matched the way she looked that day, as if the color was coming back into her signs too. She signed almost like she used to when Grandpa was around and I wondered if she felt like he were with us. I had to eat without glancing down at my food so I wouldn't miss anything. It didn't seem as if we'd been sitting in the coffee shop for long, but when I checked, I saw it was time to board. We were almost in the last row of the flight since we bought the tickets so late. Grandma offered me the window seat, but I told her it was hers. I wanted her to enjoy the adventure as much as possible. Without her, I wouldn't be here. Under the settings on my phone, I found where to disable the GPS. I asked Grandma for hers so I could do the same thing. I didn't want my parents to worry about me, but I didn't want them tracking us down either. Hold on. I'll send your mom a message first. She handed me the phone after sending the text. What did you tell her? I asked after turning off the GPS. I told her not to worry that we're going farther than Surfside and we'll be gone for a few days longer. We smiled at each other and held hands as the plane rolled down the runway and took off. This wasn't a game or a wish or a plan about a trip anymore. We were really going. Grandma was happier than I'd seen her in a long time. This trip would kill two birds with one stone, as Dad would say. I'd meet the whale and Grandma would be back to herself again. After landing in San Francisco and picking up our luggage, we shuttled to the cruise terminal. 
where huge white ships sat in the water, waiting for passengers to board. I found ours and pointed it, to, pointed it out to Grandma, the siren, the ship that would sail me to Blue 55. It was still too early to board, so we looked around for something to do. I'd been too excited until then to notice. I was hungry, but my stomach was rumbling, like an airplane taking off. I covered my stomach, even though Tristan wasn't there to hear it. Lunch? I pointed to a seafood place with outdoor seating and a view of the ocean. Grandma took my hand and led the way. The restaurant hostess seated us at a small table on a dock. We opened the menus and pointed to the same thing, a big platter with samples of every, of every appetizer. As I watched the waves next to us, I realized there was a smell I liked even better than, than old radios, the ocean. Checking in for the cruise was a lot like going through an airport again, only worse because we were so close to the ship. I wasn't going to breathe until we were safely aboard. Each part of the check-in process and every person in front of us was one more thing blocking my path to Blue 55. After getting through the long line for the check-in counter, a woman with big blonde hair gave us our cruise cards, which looked a lot like credit cards. They would be scanned when we bought something, brought something on board, and every time we got on or off the ship. We thanked the woman at the counter, then moved over to yet another line to board the ship. The attendant at the end of that line held what looked like an alien gun, and we showed her our cards like the people in front of us had. She waved the gun to scan the barcodes on our cards before handing them back to us. On our way to the metal ramp that led to the ship, a crew member stopped us for a picture. A sign on the wall in front of us read, Bon Voyage, next to a big picture of glaciers and blue water. Grandma put her arm around me, and we faced the camera, with the Alaskan backdrop behind us. Finally, it was really happening. Even though I was a few days away from meeting 55, I felt like I'd already accomplished something. At the end of the metal ramp that led to the ship, I stopped. All right, Grandma asked. I squeezed her hand and smiled. Until then, the trip had been just a plan. Once we boarded the ship, it would be real. We'd sail away from land and try to find a whale. Grandma stood next to me like she understood that I needed to make the moment last. I wonder, I wondered if she liked to put down a good book before turning to the last page too. With one hand still holding grandma's, I signed ready with the other, then took a deep breath. Together, we stepped from the metal ramp onto the plush carpet of the ship. When we found our room on the fifth deck, a woman with dark brown skin wearing black pants and a light blue shirt with gold buttons smiled like it was the best news ever that we'd arrived. She shook her hands and said something to us. I guess she was introducing herself. Her golden name tag read, Jojo, cabin steward, Ghana. Grandma introduced us and let her know we were deaf. Jojo took a business card from her pocket and wrote something on the back, then handed it to Grandma. I leaned over to read it. Customer relations can page me if you need anything. Jojo opened our door and handed us each a flyer with a map of the ship and a schedule for the rest of the day. She showed us around the cabin, which took two seconds since it was about the size of my bedroom at home. After Jojo left, Grandma said she wanted to rest. Even after all the traveling and waiting in lines, I couldn't imagine sleeping anytime soon. Grandma told me to go ahead and explore the ship. First, I found one of the swimming pools on the 18th deck. That wasn't even the highest point. There were two decks above that, with more pools and hot tubs and a game room. People gathered around the bars, holding bright pink and yellow drinks with little paper umbrellas perched on the edges of the glasses. The ship was like a floating city. It would be impossible to see everything, even with a week to explore. Still, I would try. I ran around like I had only a day to take it in. A few more bars and restaurants were scattered around the ship. On the same deck as customer service, 
As customer service, we're gift shops, an internet cafe, and even a library. A weird feeling that I couldn't place stirred in my stomach. I was restless, as if I were forgetting something. Maybe I'd been so busy working on my plan to meet 55, and there wasn't anything left to do but wait. At the safety drill that morning, or that afternoon, the crew herded everyone from our deck into one of the bars. They showed us how to put on life jackets and where the lifeboats were so if the ship hit an iceberg, we wouldn't end up like the passengers on the Titanic. Afterward, we stood on the deck and looked out at the water we'd be sailing across soon. The color wasn't the same as what I was used to. The water in the Gulf Coast always looked a little muddy. This was much bluer. Sea lions lounged on the wooden docks of the harbor. More people with their fruity umbrella drinks mingled around us. The railing vibrated against my hands, and I looked around to see what was making noise. People around us clapped with their mouths open like they were laughing and cheering. Grandma looked up and covered her ear that wore a hearing aid. What is that? I asked. Foghorn, she lowered her hand to add. That means it's time to leave. The ship lurched as it pulled away from the dock. If anyone back home figured out where to look for Grandma and me, well, they'd find that ship had sailed.